Today's podcast is brought to you by Howie's new book, Paperboy. To order today, go to HowieCarshow.com and click on store. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio, it's the Grace Curley Show. we got to bring in a new voice, a young voice, a rising voice, Grace Curley. You can read Grace's work in the Boston Herald and the Spectator. Especially, Grace, Grace, stand up. Here's the millennial with the mic, Grace Curley. Welcome back, everyone, to the Grace Curley Show. I have to mention here, before we go to the calls, I was talking a little bit about John Kerry and the very sad news that he is stepping down as the climate envoy, the climate czar. Maybe they'll give the job to Kamala Harris because she doesn't have enough titles on her LinkedIn resume right now. But he's not going far away, so don't worry. You know, he's not retiring to the windsurfing community in Martha's Vineyard anytime soon, at least. He's sticking around for Joe Biden's reelection campaign because nothing says energy and youth and packing a punch like 80 year old John Kerry walking into the room. So with that all being said, though, the other part of this that I, I think plays a big factor and Fox News pointed this out in an opinion piece by Liz Peake. It said Biden's trillion dollar climate agenda is blowing up and John Kerry has a lot to answer for. And my mind immediately went and, and there's there's a million roads you could go with this with all the failures that we've been witnessing when it comes to the green grift that we've seen. But my mind went to the chargers, the electric vehicle chargers, because a lot of times when Democrats fail at something, we're told it's because of Republicans. And we're told it's because Republicans either blocked some sort of legislation. You know, they they oftentimes called uh, Mitch McConnell. Nancy Pelosi called him the Grim Reaper of certain legislation. Uh, That was a badge he wore proudly. He said, yeah, I'm the Grim Reaper of dumb legislation that shouldn't get passed. Or they blame a lack of funds. We don't have enough money. If we just only if we only had enough money, then we could accomplish what we need to accomplish and we could create a Democrat utopia. You're getting a little glimpse of what a Democrat utopia looks like in some of these big cities. But when it came to the chargers, Jared, the electric vehicle chargers, they got the money. They got billions of dollars for these chargers and they haven't built them. So the money's not the factor here. But I was reading a story today and it's from NBC Chicago and it says electric vehicle owners face huge challenges amid Chicago cold snap. So uh, some residents are learning the hard way that electric vehicles have difficult have difficulty coping with the frigid conditions. In Evergreen Park, residents were seen lined up for hours as they attempted to charge their cars. You have to come up here, wait two hours to get into the charger. So is this the audio, Jared, from the same story? Yeah, this is this audio from Fox 32, but it's the same story. Okay, so this is all about the chargers. Now, keep in mind, I wouldn't want to be on a road trip. Maybe I'm just spoiled. That's all. (laughs) Trust me, that's a possibility here. But I would not want to be on a road trip. And for someone to say to me, we got to pull off here for a couple hours so we can charge the car. That would, to me, be a buzzkill. I'm one of those people where it's like, we're making great time. You know, can you hold it for five more minutes? We're making great time. I'm going to break a record here. And then somebody says, oh, yeah, we just got to stop for 45 minutes. I got to get a charge going. Now, if it's freezing out and there's a line for the charger, then, you know, 
I'm going to lose my patience. And I think a lot of you would feel the same way. So let's take a listen. This is Fox 32 Chicago. Um, This is Cut 11. Electric cars may be the way of the future, but it's clear there are some problems when it comes to charging them in Chicago's deep freeze. Oh, we got a bunch of dead robots out here. Dead robots. (laughs) Dead Teslas packed the parking lot at this Tesla supercharging station in Oak Brook, a scene mirrored at other supercharging stations around the Chicago area. Man, this is crazy. It's, it's, It's a disaster. Seriously. With temperatures falling into the negative double digits, these charging ports have stopped charging, leaving many Tesla owners stranded here in long lines since Sunday. Nothing, no juice, it's still on zero percent, and this is like three hours this morning being out here, after being out here eight hours yesterday. Has it been charging? No, not at all. It just isn't working? At all. It's just frozen, and so I'm now getting towed to the um, Tesla service center because... That's my only option at this point. Adding to their frustration, they say, is that they're getting no help when they call Tesla for assistance. No response from Tesla. We have been suffering since yesterday uh, afternoon. These are unusually cold temperatures, but do you find this acceptable? No, not at all. Not really. I I think it's less on the actual vehicle and more on the infrastructure. Tesla has not responded to our emails for comment, but an automobile expert we talked to said that the owners of all EVs should hit the battery preconditioned button on their car before attempting to charge it in extremely cold weather. This sounds like such a pain in the ass. I am sorry. I wish I had a more articulate, well-thought-out criticism here, but it just seems like such a pain. And and in the beginning of that news package, I love his newscaster voice. So it's a good one. I won't lie. It's Dane Placco is he, his name. He says, electric vehicles may be the way of the future. Are they, though? Like, that's that's the part of this that I'm not buying. That's the part of this they keep throwing in there as if it's a fact, as if we've all accepted it. Oh, yeah, they're just the way of the future. I'm not so sure. And you know who else isn't so sure? Hertz. Hertz isn't so sure. That was a big story last week when I was off. And, and this is from Fox. It says, in just the past several days, Hertz decided to sell the bulk of its EV rental fleet, 20,000 cars, because they are sitting idle on their lots and cost too much money to maintain. They didn't want a dead robot cemetery, so they sold 20,000 of their cars. If electric vehicles are the way of the future, then why did Hertz do that? Dwight does not play a robot. I'm just pointing out some issues here. But I didn't realize that. I mean, it makes sense, I guess, that when it gets really cold, these cars can't charge. But, I mean, I guess I, I guess if you're really committed to saving the planet, then that doesn't bother you. You just you have a cold day and you go, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, I'm sure that's going to play well for all the charging stations and the plains and places like Kansas and Nebraska, where it gets cold and there's nothing going on but flatlands. Well, the good thing is I don't think they've built any of those yet. So there's still time to change their minds. Um, We're going to get to your calls. Again, though, uh, there is one more story here that I have to get to, Jared, really quickly. And it has to do with Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden's art dealer says he wouldn't renew contract with First Son after $1.5 million in sales. So George Berger... 
who's been in the news a lot lately because he also told, um, I think he told the oversight committee that the White House never reached out to him to have that whole uh, conversation about the guidelines and the ethical contract that they're going to have with the people that buy Hunter Biden's artwork. Turns out that never came to fruition. Nobody ever called Jules Bourget about the artwork, about the ways they were going, the layers of ethical guidelines that they were going to have to make sure that there was nothing shady going on. Nobody ever called him. And so George, George has been in the news a lot. And now he's saying, and I love this, because, I mean, you sell $1.5 million worth of sales and now he wants out. Can you blame him? He's like, I cashed in. I made some good money with this guy. Maybe he's looking at a hunter's artwork and he's thinking his best days are behind him. You know, you probably can tell with an artist. Hmm. It's losing its je ne sais quoi. It says Manhattan art dealer Georges Berger told Congress that he opted not to renew his contract with Hunter Biden after making $1.5 million in sales for the first son's novice art to 10 buyers. You imagine being a new artist and making $1.5 million for 10 pieces? Berger said his contract with Hunter quietly lapsed on September 1st, 2023, making it unclear who has repped the first son for the past four and a half months. I'm sure I'm sure somebody I'm sure somebody snapped him up real quick. You don't have an artist like that on the open market for too long as a free agent. Working with Hunter hasn't been the best decision for me, he testified. I never expected the whole security issue or the death threats and people assuming political affiliation, which was completely wrong. It was a little bit more than I could chew. Obviously, I kind of wanted my life back, so I haven't agreed to renew the contract now. He got a 40% commission from the sales. And now he decides I've had enough. Oh, he's getting angry calls from Hunter. He says, oh, I, I bit off more than I could chew. That's easy to say, Jared, after the $1.5 million in sales. You didn't mind chewing it when you were making 40% commission. I, I just... Of course, my natural follow-up is, will Hunter Biden get re-signed? Like I said, I, I mean, with this kind of talent out in the open market, I don't think it's going to be long. And also, we have to remember that he has a lot of things to pay for. This is a man who lives a luxurious lifestyle. How will he pay for his Porsche and his ritzy Malibu pad? Who will buy the Parmesan cheese? Will he have to pawn some of his diamonds? Or sell his artwork for half off. 250k instead of half a million for a, for a nice painting. These are just some of the questions that keep me up at night. Michelle Obama worries about the government. I worry about Hunter Biden balancing his checkbook. I'm just worried that his funds are drying up. And that bothers me. But uh, I'm glad George Berger made his money, Jared, while, while the getting was good. Can I also, before we go to break here... Can I get one more cut? I would like to get a cut. It's been a really long time since I've played Kamala Harris. Can I get cut 12? When the people are in these stands watching you, be they parents or students or kids, you're lifting them up. When people are out here saying, ah, are they saying yay? Or they say all of the things that they say in response to the game, you're lifting them up with a sense of joy about being a part of a community. And we need that. I have a question. Yes. How old are the people that she's talking to in that cut? So she's talking to a, a basketball team. 
from the University of South Carolina. She's Sweet talking Jesus. to at, at minimum 17-year-old to 20-whatever-year-old women. She is talking. To. You know, I always say to you, Jared, you have to respect Joe Biden because no matter what you say about him, he is dedicated to the PTO. Like if he wants to go to Rehoboth, he's going. It does not matter what kind of crisis happens, what kind of war he gets us into. He is whatever's on that calendar. He is committed to his vacation. I would say about Kamala Harris, in a way, she treats everyone fairly because she treats Every person she talks to, whether it be a NASA scientist, whether it be a basketball player, whether it be a a politician or a world leader, she talks to everybody like they are in first or second grade. When people are out here saying, ah, they're saying, yay. (laughs) That's my favorite. Or they're saying, yay. Oh, boy. I don't even know. Is it is is first grade? Is that giving her too much credit? This is like pre-K stuff. The way she talks to people. I would love to see the uh, the basketball players' faces. The the women must have been like, why is she talking to us like this? Strange stuff. Um, when we come back, it's time for 2A Tuesday with Toby Leary. Can we take one call, Jerry, before we go to break here? Let's go to Arthur. You're next up on the Grace Curley Show. Go ahead, Arthur. Hey, Grace. I've been waiting a long time. But anyway, uh, I want to tell you the VP for, for Trump. Oh, yeah. Who do you think? Well, it's never going to be a Republican. I can tell you that right now. This guy's going to go out in glory. He's going to go out with the best of the best, and he's going to pull Kennedy in, and that's going to be it. Oh, RFK he's Jr. Gonna, he's going to, yep, he's going to win on a landslide. Because you know what, Grace? What? This guy, as good as he is, he can still lose to the Democrats. Okay, so Arthur's going in as he's saying, maybe we should do like a pool here. That'd actually be pretty fun. Like how he used to do the death pool, but we'll just do who's he going to pick for VP. Arthur's going in for RFK Jr. I have a theory on why that won't happen, Arthur, but I'll save it for when we come back. We have Toby Leary coming up next. I appreciate you guys waiting on the lines. And if you have any questions about the Second Amendment, guns, um, or Cape Gunworks in general, you can feel free to call in. In the past couple of years alone, close to 50 satisfied Grace listeners, that's right, 50, have allowed J.J. Manning auctioneers to sell their valuable real estate. And they sell your real estate assets quickly, contingency-free, and for the highest price the market will pay. So you walk away from this with no regrets. So don't wait. You can be the next one. J.J. Manning sellers are never left out in the cold, wondering about interest on their property. Weekly inquiry reports provide measured progress. It creates a sense of teamwork. You're all in this together. There's a lot of transparency throughout this process. So you know what's going on at every step of the way. Selling real estate can be really stressful. And the goal at J.J. Manning is to take all of that stress out of it. So you have the best experience possible. You set the terms, you sell contingency free, and the buyer pays all commissions. JJ Manning uses their 3030 marketing plan. And something else they do that if you've ever sold real estate, you'll appreciate this. They have one consolidated open house. So you're not having those surprise last minute showings where you get that call at three o'clock saying, hey, somebody's interested. Can we come by? Is the house clean? It's all going to get done in one showing, and that eliminates a lot of worries as well. There's no haggling, no changes to your deal. And to get your property sold quickly, contact Charlie Gill at 800-521-0111 or visit jjmanning.com. Call Charlie today at 800-521-0111 or go to jjmanning.com and get your real estate sold. 
We will take your calls for Toby Leary when we come back. This is the Grace Curley Show. Welcome back, everyone, to the Grace Curley Show. If you want to talk to Toby Leary, the number is 844-500-4242. But first, today's poll question is brought to you by Colette Tours and the November 16th Listener Getaway to Iceland with Caroline Levitt. For more information, go to gracecurleyshow.com and click on the Listener Getaway banner. Jared, what is the poll question and what are the results thus far? Today's poll question, which you can vote in at gracecurleyshow.com, is does Trump's VP pick change anything? Yes, he might win some people over if he picks the right person, or no, it makes no difference whatsoever. I'm going to say no. I don't think it makes a difference. 47% agree with you that okay. it doesn't make a difference. 53% thinks the right person might. This is pretty close, though. And this it, is a close it, poll question. If you want to weigh in, it's gracecurlyshow.com. The last caller had said Arthur had mentioned that he thinks Trump should pick RFK Jr. That uh, There are certain people who are not built to be vice president. I'll give you an example. I don't think Donald Trump would make a good vice president for anybody. He's a top dog. He's an alpha and he's not going to be a good co-pilot in that situation because he wants to call the shots. It's who he is. I don't know a ton about RFK Jr. I've listened to a couple of podcasts of him and um, a a few interviews, but he gives me that same vibe. I don't think a Trump and a Kennedy, it sounds good. Um, He definitely has a pretty big fan base. I, I know that, but I just don't think these are two guys, Jared, who could, who could mesh together. And work together. They're both main character energy. Yeah, it's like having two head coaches on a staff. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's like somebody's got to somebody's got to give, and the VP is the one who's going to have to give a lot and, and going to have to kind of go with the flow. Neither of those two people strike me as the go with the flow types. Um, do we have Toby? Are we good? All right, Toby Leary. We're going to start off with a question here, Toby, and then we'll come back and, and give you a little bit more time to talk about the latest updates with what's going on in the gun world. But let's go right to a caller here. Uh, Tom, you're first up with Toby Leary. Go ahead, Tom. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Uh, Toby, I heard last week that you mentioned you have an AR building class at your place, and I was wondering, once you build it there, can we register them on the portal? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, great question. Um, if you, the whole point of the class is so that you leave with your own gun that you built with our instruction and uh, we'll help you register it before you leave the shop. Absolutely. It's it's really easy to do. Uh, so it's it's not a problem at all. But we'll, we'll get that done for you. And a lot of people enjoy that class, love it. They get the knowledge they need to modify their gun later and, you know, uh, keep it maintained, et cetera, et cetera. But plus they have the pride of building their own gun. So it's, it's a great class, very popular. All right. And Toby, where can people go if they want to find out more about that class? Yeah, go to capegunworks.com and click on class calendar and you can see the sign up. It may be full. I don't know. Uh, but definitely if there's spots left, sign up, jump in. It usually sells out. Um, and we'd love to have you join us. It's, a, it's always a good time. All right, so it's a good point now for a little break to get people on the lines. Toby, when we come back, he's going to have a full segment to answer all of your questions. 
If you want to debate him, if you want to ask for his expertise, that is what he's here for. So it's 844-500-4242. More with Toby Leary from Cape Gunworks when we return. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio. Welcome back, everyone, to the Grace Curley Show. Linda, you are up next with Toby Leary from Cape Gunworks. Go ahead, Linda. Hey, um, I just did the class over the Christmas break, and now I've got the form, and I'm wondering... On these references, do I have to get somebody to write a letter, or can I just put a name and contact information in? Good question. (laughs) And it's a painful one for me to answer because I would say, you know, do you have to answer all those questions when you go to church or when you, you know, vote or when you, whatever. I'm not going to go down that rabbit trail that I so easily could go down, Linda. But um, the bottom line is you don't need to give a reason You don't even need to give um, references, even though they ask for them. uh, It won't hurt your cause if you put a reference down, Um, but you don't need to get them to write a letter. That's for dang sure. You can just put their name and address. And if they're still calling, calling them and and requiring it, that's unconstitutional, according to the Bruin decision. So um, the fact that they're even asking the entire form is unconstitutional, in my opinion. You don't need to give a reason why you want to, exercise your right to keep and bear arms. Uh, you don't need to give references, good character references for your right to keep and bear arms. But yet you can see how far this state pushed it and how far down the uh, road of tyranny they've really gone and seen how far they could get away with things. And the good news is that's all starting to change. But in the meantime, I would say play along just to, so you don't raise any red flags and all of a sudden, then being used unsuitable to own a firearm because you won't ask their arbitrary questions. So, um, yeah, just put down some character references. I wouldn't recommend mom and dad or something, but friends and, you know, that type of thing. So good luck with that, Linda. As ridiculous as it sounds, uh, you know, all the hoops you got to jump through in this state is, is ridiculous. All right. Thank you, Linda. And thank you, Toby. Let's go to John. You're next up with Toby Leary. Go ahead, John. Are you there, John? Okay, we'll wait and we'll see if we can get John back. Um, Toby, I did want to ask you while I have you here, we're, we're oftentimes talking about some of the nuttiness that's going on in Massachusetts and um, how our our leaders here don't really respect the Constitution, don't really respect the Second Amendment. It's not often we're talking about wins. And, and this is not a win in Massachusetts, unfortunately, but it is a win in Florida, and I do think it's worth mentioning. Um, this is a story here. It says a federal judge in Florida has just knocked down a ruling on possessing firearms in post offices, a big win for private gun owners. Why does this matter? Why is this making headlines? And why is this such a big win for gun owners? Yeah, this is a huge ruling, Grace. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if you remember back in the early 90s. It might have even bled into the 80s, the late 80s. But there was this thing in workplace violence um, where people, the, the thing became going postal, where a lot of postal workers would walk into their place of business or where they work 
and shoot, you know, commit a mass shooting. Um, and why the post office? I don't know, but we've seen it in meat packing plants. We've seen it in other places. So as a knee jerk reaction to this, the government said, this is now a gun free zone. We want to make sure nobody ever carries a gun here again, even though, you know, the person who's going there to kill people isn't going to worry about your little sign on the door. Um, but what they did was this is a knee jerk reaction to this trend, I guess, that happened for a little while where the people would shoot up in the post office, uh, shoot people in the post office. And it was arbitrary. It, it was not something that the government has the power to do, according to this judge down in uh, Florida, which is great because you can't just wave your arms and command that this is a gun free zone. There's you know, there's no historical tradition of that in our country at the time of the nation's founding um, in in the time of the ratification of the Second Amendment in 1791. So that's basically what she was pointing to was you can't just say this is a gun free zone, a government mandated gun free zone. Um, that's what this whole sensitive places fight is over now with you see it in uh, New Mexico with uh, Eugene Grisham there. Uh she declared that the Second Amendment will be suspended in all public places, on parks and city streets, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, you know, these politicians think they can just wave their wand and make it so. But the Constitution is, the, you know, says the right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. And the, the post offices predate our country. This is something that's been around since our country was founded. And so there was never a historical tradition of banning guns at post offices. And uh, just the opposite is true, Grace. Whenever there was a threat to a certain place like a church or, um, or a business, they actually required people to carry their arms to church. This is some of the older laws that people don't realize, 18th century law. And, and they they would require people to carry guns, not ban them, not disarm them and make them more susceptible to the threat that may be there. Uh, they would allow people to protect themselves. So this is a really good, um, it, it should put every politician on notice, especially those in Massachusetts, in the Senate, who want to expand these sensitive places, these uh, government-mandated gun-free zones, where they're disarming people, leaving them defenseless, and they're not putting in any other form of protection, such as single point of entry or metal, metal detectors or armed security or armed police presence or, uh, you know, that type of thing, like you see in airports or like you see in uh, certain government buildings like courthouses, and et cetera. So um, government-mandated gun-free zones are a horrible idea, and that whole thing should be mothballed on the um, the you know, and put to bed on the ideas of bad, other bad ideas that have gone to, uh, you know, the, the waste bin of history. Uh, so hopefully we'll see uh, more and more courts do the same as it relates to other places of business and, uh, you know, government mandated gun free zones that they don't protect the people. So I, I hope to see more and more of this. And unfortunately, a lot of politicians around the country are angry with these type of decisions. And so they're having knee-jerk reactions and continuing to pass law that they know is unconstitutional. 
and will just ultimately cost the taxpayer time, money, and years of their life fighting it. All right. Thank you, Toby, for explaining that. Um, let's go to John. We're, we'll try you again here. John, you're next up with Toby Leary. Go ahead. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Um, so I'm in New Hampshire. I, along with my son, submitted uh, permit applications. We're at care and uh right to carry state, of course, but to get reciprocity with the state of Michigan, we need a permit issued in the state in which we reside. My son attends Hillsdale College in Michigan. We wanted to get that permit. The the local police chief required that he come in for an interview, even though I was my permit, he had to come in for an interview. He's 18 years old. um, And I thought that was unconstitutional, certainly against the legislature in the state of New Hampshire. Just wondering your, where your comments are on that. Yeah, I mean, they've got away with it for so long here in Massachusetts. I'm not surprised that other states are starting to take notice. That's the thing, is when um, tyranny is allowed in, in one place, other people take note and say, hey, maybe we can get away with this too. And I think you're right that um, it, it's kind of ridiculous to and just this goes back to what Linda was asking, um, you know, do I need to put references or get them to write a letter? You know, this is all extraneous activity to the Second Amendment. This is nothing nothing to do with the exercise of a right. This is more like asking permission and trying to, you know, get the permission for a privilege instead of a right. But the text of the Second Amendment says that the right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. And every type of gun control in whatever form, whether it's an interview, whether it's asking for references, whether it's filling out an application, whether it's getting fingerprinted photographs, paying a fee and getting a background check and all that, that's infringement. So the government has the burden of proof to prove that whatever they're doing in violation of the text of the Second Amendment There's a historical tradition to support that at the time of the founding and ratification of the Second Amendment. There's also a tradition of it. And it can't just be one type of, um, you know, law that they point to in some obscure situation in some obscure state. That's not enough to provide um, overwhelming evidence that this was an accepted practice at the time of the foundation of our country. So they have a hard time meeting that burden of proof. And I don't know if it's worth it to, you know, put the line in the sand and stake your claim on, you know, an, a, a license that you don't even need in the state of uh, New Hampshire. But if, it, if it's a hoop you got to go through in order to get the reciprocity with Michigan, you might want to just hold your nose and deal with it. But I agree it's unconstitutional. Um, unfortunately, the chief law enforcement officer in whatever town that the license is issued in is going to do what he's going to do. And um, you can probably challenge him and fight him on it. But, you know, it's just going to cost money and take time. And I hate to say sometimes the path of least resistance is just to do it the way that is unconstitutional. It just all depends how how much fight you got in you and how how badly you want to stand up for your rights. I, I would love it and applaud it if you do that, stand on principle. But at the end of the day, if you go back and forth to Michigan, you need the license, I would say just get it and then make a big deal out of it or something like that. Hopefully that helps. It's a long, convoluted answer to a 
longer convoluted law and uh, requirement of uh, a permit that is totally unconstitutional to begin with. So we'll start seeing that happen too. We, we already had the uh, Maryland uh, licensing scheme struck down by a uh, federal court and then they were given en banc review by the Circuit Court of Appeals there. I think it's the Fifth Circuit in Maryland. So they're trying to stop it. They're trying to, you know, prevent any Second Amendment wins in this category. But ultimately, they're going to lose, you know, once it gets up to the uh, Supreme Court. Well, Toby, thank you so much. We're running out of time here, but I wanted to thank you for coming on today. And also thank you for filling in for me yesterday. I know people loved hearing from you and you put on a really great show. We look forward to talking with you next week. Can you let people know where they can listen to you and where they can see you in person if they have any of these questions? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Grace. I had a great time filling in yesterday. I'll do it anytime you ask. Let me know. And uh, you can go over to capegunworks.com to see what it is we have on in the store and online. You can sign up for a class. You can uh, take a virtual tour of our facility and our range. You can also sign up at rapidfireradio.us to be notified whenever we go live with a show. I'm doing a show now on WXDK 95.1 on Sundays at noon. You can listen online at iHeartRadio and also at WXDK uh, website. You can also listen to our show every Wednesday from 4 to 6, uh, Rapid Fire Radio. We do it there as well, and we record it and do a podcast version. So if you missed the live show, you can always catch it no matter where you find your social media on the usual suspects, YouTube and Rumble, et cetera. You can always listen to the replay there. But we'd love it if you come down to Cape Gunworks and Hyannis, see us in person, and uh, we'll put a put. You know, either you threw a class or put a nice new gun in your hand and send you out with a smile on your face. So, uh, but thanks for having us, Grace, each and every week. And we look forward to being with you next week. Thank you very much, Toby. One thing I want to let people know about is that I've noticed every day when I drive home, I call my husband. I say, what do you want to do for dinner? And you know what that is, Jared? It's a waste of brain power that I spend every single day driving home. And I usually have to stop somewhere. I have to stop somewhere to get something, you know, get chicken, get something. And if you can eliminate that time and if you can eliminate that process of trying to figure out what you're going to do each and every night, you're saving yourself time and effort and you can use that for something else. And the best way to do that, and this is what I found is one of my favorite parts about Omaha Steaks, because it's not just steak. It's it's really whatever you could dream of, you can build in your Omaha Steaks box. But what I love about it is... You've got dinner ready to go. You don't have to go to the grocery store. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. You don't have to brainstorm, you know, at 8 o'clock in the morning what you're going to want at 5 o'clock at night. Sometimes it's hard to know what you're going to be craving. You get home, you decide, and it's all at your fingertips. And there's so many great things you can try. You can fall in love with First Bite, whether it's their tender steaks, my favorite are the Juicy Burgers. I'm a huge cheeseburger fan. And the air-chilled chicken, they're so much more. There's something for everyone in your family. So you can go through and pick out all of these delicious things and you can get a nice little dinner for everyone's preference. So maybe your your daughter really loves hot dogs. One night you'll do hot dogs. Um, your son's a really big steak fan. You can find something for everyone and it's all incredible quality and you're saving so much money. The savings here are insane. Yeah, especially with this deal that they have going on right now. I mean, if I remember correctly, you get 
four free air chilled chicken breasts and four free pork chops. Yeah, this this deal is insane. Ooh. Jared's right. If you go to omahasteaks.com and you go slash grace, so you have to go omahasteaks.com slash grace. You're going to get four air chilled boneless chicken breasts, four boneless pork chops free with your order. So the experts at Omaha Steaks have made it easier than ever to experience perfection with favorites like their butcher's cut filet mignon. For a limited time, when you go to omahasteaks.com slash grace, my listeners are going to get four free boneless chicken breasts and four free, rich, juicy, boneless pork chops with your order. This is a really great offer, and I want you guys to take advantage of it. And then let us know how you cook it up. So this is what I want you to do. Go to omahasteaks.com slash grace to get four free chicken breasts, four free pork chops with your order. And this offer is not going to last long. But if you hop on it today, you can definitely get your hands on it. Minimum purchase may apply. Don't miss out on that. When we come back, I want to talk to Howie Carr, someone who's very familiar with the integrity over at MSNBC. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Grace Curley Show. This is The Grace Curley Show. With inflation, food, and energy costs rising, families are feeling the financial pinch as they struggle to make ends meet. Preparation is key, and our friends at ReadyWise have emergency food kits that will provide peace of mind. So go to ReadyWise.com and use code HOWIE20 at checkout to save 20% on your order. Joining us now is Howie Carr. And Howie, I've been dying to ask you about this. So two things. One is that Rachel Maddow didn't show Trump's speech in Iowa because, according to the the network that is home to Al Sharpton, uh, Joy Reid, uh, formerly Brian Williams, she says that MSNBC does not air lies. What do you make of that? What, what about Lawrence O'Donnell with the Deutsche Bank thing? I mean, the list goes you know, on and uh, on. I mean, it just it, it you know it's an endless list. We don't have time enough to get into <laughs> all of them. I mean, they were they were part and parcel in on the. Uh, the the fake Ukrainian phone call, the fake Russian collusion hoax, the 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 fake uh, Georgia phone call, which I went into in my column, which was, you know, totally debunked by an audio tape, not totally debunked by uh, someone coming forward with the. They just played the tape, and the, none of the stuff the Washington Post, the MSNBC, New York Times said was in there was in there. Yeah, and Howie, the other story at MSN. MSNBC that I want your take on is that um, Joy Reid, she's no stranger to playing the blame game. She usually blames the time-traveling homophobic hackers. But in the case of Nikki Haley, she said the reason Nikki Haley did not prevail in Iowa is because of racism. What can't racism do? It's it's why Claudine Gay plagiarized. It's why Fannie Willis was, you know... uh, Giving money to her boy toy. Her lover. I mean, this really is something to behold. And again, I'm I'm looking at Nikki Haley and I know, you know, her her family is from India, but I mean, she's got the same coloration, the same color hair, the same color eyes as my mother. You know, I I mean, she's a white woman. Okay, Joy, wake up. Well, I I really think it just shows you that Nikki Haley is definitely the establishment. Like if if you were on the fence about whether or not she's a rhino, I think if Joy Reid is pulling for you or making excuses for you, something's amiss. How about she's been endorsed by... Larry Hogan, Chris Sununu, Bill Crystal, 
I, are Mitch McConnell and uh, Willard Mitt Romney going to fly in this weekend <laughs> to help her out? How about yeah. Adam Kensinger and Liz Cheney? Now, keep in mind, everyone, I'm talking about MSNBC's lies over the last couple years. Howie Carr can go back decades with this. So don't go anywhere. He's coming up next.